0: Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. Central Pennsylvania has almost a holiday feel to it this week as we prepare for a major snowstorm forecast to hit the area tonight into tomorrow. In fact, it has a name now, uh, and it's Winter Storm Jonas. Over the next hour, we'll look at several aspects of the storm, snow and cold weather, with an eye toward providing some information you may not hear other places. Many of us will stay at home this weekend in what we hope will be a warm house. One of the big concerns when there is 12 to 20 inches of snow forecast and then possibly high winds is electricity. Joining us to discuss what to do if you lose power is Niels Hagen-Frederickson, the press secretary with the Pennsylvania Public Utility Commission. Niels, welcome to the program.
1: Morning, Scott.
0: Thanks for having us on board. All right. You know, I was, I've been talking so much about what PennDOT is doing, uh, you know, what we're doing to prepare for the snow on the roads. Uh, you know, the state is under an emergency order or ordered by uh, the, the governor. But uh, Pennsylvania utilities are also preparing for this snowstorm this weekend. What are they doing right now?
1: Uh, there's a lot of activity that's going on behind the scenes, and and it really it goes to preparation. And we know that utilities are preparing, and we also want uh, want want people to prepare. But from the point of view of, of the utilities, uh, they're all closely monitoring forecasts and you know utilities do their own forecasting but because they need to forecast demand and load and other things but they're also monitoring all the national forecasts they're in regular communication uh, with us here at at the PUC about their planning they're looking at uh, what personnel they need they're looking at pre-positioning resources to make sure that they have uh, their crews scheduled on time they're also getting ready to uh, to place people in various nine one one centers something that the the PUC requires in high risk high service outage areas because of lessons that we've learned from previous storms because you know in the midst of a storm there's a lot of coordination that needs to be done it's not just a matter of plowing the roads or clearing down trees or, or getting uh, getting power back sometimes you know there's an overlap between all of those things so everybody right now much much like you see with with, with the folks at, at PennDOT and and other emergency services are, are getting you know getting their equipment warmed up, getting their trucks in place, getting their crews lined up, making sure they have the shifts ready for the weekend, and then very carefully watching the weather to see exactly what happens because uh, you know as the forecasters uh, are talking about it, uh, you know uh, a, a change in track one direction or another by ten or twenty miles uh... can make the difference between whether we see less than a foot of snow or more than two feet of snow and and uh, you know we also know that the southeastern part of the state is probably going to be hit more than some other parts not just snow but also high winds and other things so uh, so we're working to get ready they're working to get ready, and the, real, the hope is that those resources aren't needed, but the goal is that the resources are in place if, uh, if worst comes to worse from Jonas.
0: All right, let's talk about uh, preparation on an individual basis, on a, house, a household basis. What are some of the major things, uh, some of the basic things that uh, we can do, our families, ourselves, we can do to prepare for this storm?
1: well you know some of it is is the general preparation make sure you have your appropriate uh, supplies make sure you have food and water and the medicines that you might need in the event that you don't travel because as we're hearing from Penndot and the state Police and and other folks um, because of the concerns about visibility and blowing and drifting snow and other things um, you know they're, they're doing their best to recommend that people stay in place during the snow during the storm unless it's essential that you travel uh, obviously If you've stocked up on those supplies and we still have time, the snowflakes aren't even flying yet here in in central PA, get what it is that you're going to need for the next couple of days so you don't put yourself in a situation where you need to drive. Remember, and and we think of it uh, from, from a travel point of view, it's not just a risk to those who are on the roads. But traffic accidents can be a source of power outages. So the fewer people that are on the roads, the less likelihood that somebody is going to slide off the road into a ditch and hit a pole. The less likelihood there is that lights are going to go out in that neighborhood and crews are going to need to go out in the middle of the storm and deal with those repairs. So you know we're echoing what PennDOT and state police are saying in, the, in terms of get what you need now and and don't travel if you don't need to. But also think about other things. Um, Now is a really good time to either write down or save in your smartphone the toll-free hotline for your utility to report power outages. Every utility has a dedicated hotline that's used specifically to report outages, and we want people to use those numbers. Uh, Our advice is not to call 911 if you simply have an outage, if your power's out, call the utility that hotline gets you into their system as quickly as possible they can pinpoint where you are and they can work on scheduling repairs the one the one exception to that would be if there's an obvious hazard if you see you know tree limbs on wires and it's sparking if there's a downed line across the road if there's some other obvious hazard that's also related to the outage then call 911 but also call your utility don't assume that they know exactly where the problem is and don't assume that your neighbors uh, are either affected by the problem or have called in the more data that those utilities get about potential outages the better so now's the time to memorize those numbers you don't want to be fumbling around looking for the toll-free hotline on the bill and, and it's printed on the bill if push comes to shove you, you know go through your mail and, and find that there but write it on the fridge, save it to your smartphone, uh, program it in, because if your lights go out, um, chances are if you're using a cordless phone, you, you, well, your phone's going to go out. If you're using a landline, you're still going to need the number. And we know that more and more people are using smartphones only, or they're, you know, they're totally unwired. So um, do that now. And also, if, again, if you have a smartphone uh, and you have cellular data, because your home Wi-Fi may go down if the power goes out. Memorize the power outage website. More and more of the utilities have web portals where you can not only report outages, but you can track the progress of power restoration and and more and more of the utilities are using their social media channels puc especially again because of lessons that we've learned from past storms has been pushing utilities to be as communicative as possible and to use you know both the traditional media channels but also uh new media uh social media facebook twitter and and you'll see plenty of information on social media from the utilities about what's going on in the storm.
0: Well, Niels, that is some valuable information that you just uh, gave our uh, our listeners about preparing now with those phone numbers, uh, the website, and checking social media. But say the power does go down, then what?
1: How do you stay, well, how do you one, stay safe? one final prep tip, and that would be charge your devices now. Right, it's exactly. because it's hard to exactly. charge your phone uh, <laughs> in in the middle of an outage. Yeah. But if, if if it does go out again, call the toll free outage hotline number. Give them the specifics and and report your outage. Um, we, we caution people to use either the toll free hotline or the web portals that the uh, that the utilities have. You don't want to be reporting outages through the social media channels. Uh, not all of those are monitored all the time. And you also don't want to be releasing personal information to the entire world uh, by social media. So use the hotline or use the web portal. Uh, again, don't assume that, uh, that they already know you're out. Don't assume that your neighbors have called in. Um, we mentioned not calling 911 if you simply have an outage. Save 911 for hazardous situations. That would be a, a downed line, uh, trees, branch sparking in the wires, or or some other uh, hazard. And, and that may even be something not in your neighborhood, but perhaps you're driving by and and, and you see a problem. Call that in, um, and then if you have an outage, call your utilities. Stay away from downed lines. You have no way of knowing whether or not they're energized. You have no way of knowing whether it's a power line or a cable line or a phone line. Assume that any down line is a live electrical line. Stay away from it. Leave that to the professionals. And also stay away from uh, puddles and other things that may be in contact with that line, and that would include snow. Uh, And, again, in the midst of the storm, the tree limbs that are in the power lines leave that to the professionals. Um, finally, you know, from a home point of view, we suggest that, that people, if you have an outage, uh, go through the home and, and, and turn off your appliances, with the exception of, 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 of your refrigerator and, and freezer. Uh, that helps minimize the load that, uh, that's added to the system when the power is restored. It helps protect those devices against uh, spikes or surges. You can turn one light on. That way you know when the power is restored that lights come back on again. But minimize the load and, uh, and protect your appliances. And if you're going to be using a generator, maybe maybe you're in a situation where you know that you typically lose power. You lose power for some time. You have a backup generator. Don't run it inside the home. Don't run it inside the garage. The exhaust fumes can build up. You get carbon monoxide poisoning. It's silent. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's colorless. It's odorless. Uh, and it will kill you. and and we don't want any of that. And also, if you're using a generator um, and you put it outside, connect the devices that you want to run directly to the generator don't plug the generator into your home electrical system that can energize the lines near your home and that could shock or injure utility crews who are working on on repairing the lines and we don't want to do that and then finally we suggest you know the, the standard advice about checking on your friends your neighbors your family members and and others around um, that might need some assistance uh... It, you know usually uh, in, in the midst of a storm everybody works together and everybody gets through it
0: mm. Niels hagen Fredrickson, some great advice, some great tips. We're going to post some of these on our website, WITF.org, as well. But, Niels, thank you very much. I know you're going to be busy this weekend.
1: Uh, It should be a busy weekend for everybody. But, again, if we all work together, uh, we shall all make it through well. All right.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Scott.
0: You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. We've heard a variety of weather forecasts throughout the week as the storm has materialized. But now that it is imminent, what's the latest? Aaron Taberski is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in State College. Mr. Taburski, welcome to the program. Hi,
2: thanks for having
0: me. All right, let's start with the forecast itself for south central Pennsylvania. I mean, I know we're talking different snow totals for different areas, uh, the way this, the path of this uh, storm is taking, but generally, w- what are we looking at as the latest forecast?
2: Well, uh, you're right in saying we do have a pretty big storm coming, and uh, we'll see the snow start to develop from south to north uh, across southern Pennsylvania Uh, later this evening. After sunset, um, we'll see the snow move out of Maryland across the uh, Maryland-PA border and then slowly make its way north through south-central Pennsylvania overnight. It looks right now um, as the heaviest snow. We could see uh, some rates over uh, the far southern counties of Pennsylvania between midnight and 6 a.m. of 1 to 2 inches per hour uh, of snowfall, and that seems to be the height of the storm. Uh, Pretty much for everybody will be overnight tonight uh, through the morning hours tomorrow. Uh, Then, as the storm moves off the East Coast, we'll see uh, things lighten up just slightly, but still heavy snow is pretty much in the cards for all of South Central Pennsylvania for this storm.
0: You mentioned Maryland. Maryland, uh, some of the northern counties in Maryland, and actually Washington D.C. and Baltimore Mm -hmm. are already under a blizzard warning. What's the difference between a blizzard warning? and a winter storm warning?
2: For a uh, blizzard warning, uh, well, actually, we'll start with the winter storm warning, uh, which would be uh, generally for the south central part of Pennsylvania would be five inches of snow in 24 hours. So as far as this storm is concerned, uh, we'll meet that no problem. But for a blizzard warning, what we're looking for is not only that heavy snowfall, but the winds and visibility uh, being uh, a factor as well and having much of an impact. So for a blizzard warning, we would see winds at 35 miles per hour sustained uh, for three hours straight, or we could see frequent gusts well above that. Um, Also, we'd be looking for visibilities to be around a quarter mile or close to zero um in that heavy snow so there are a couple of factors to kind of tack on to that winter storm warning that would make it a blizzard warning uh to get strong winds to blow that snow around and uh that would make it difficult to clear the snow um as well as maybe uh visibilities that would hinder travel uh greatly so that's kind of the difference between the two
0: even though uh central pennsylvania is not under a blizzard warning uh, winds could be a factor though couldn't they
2: Right. We'll see uh, right now we see winds gusting uh, in the 20 to 30 mile an hour range, uh, 25 to 35 miles an hour or 25 to 30 miles overnight. Um, That will cause some blowing and drifting of snow. Um, Roads that are plowed will quickly get blown over with snow, and that will be in addition to the snow that's already falling. So um, really a difficult time for travel. Uh, regardless of if we get that 35-mile-an-hour wind at a certain time, it's still going to be very difficult to travel.
0: What kind of snow are we talking about? I mean, I've I heard several people this week say it's going to be a heavy, wet kind of snow. Is that accurate?
2: yeah it should be um, uh, temperatures should be close into the upper twenties and low thirties close to freezing, so that would indicate that we would see a uh, a snowfall that is uh, could cause some issues with uh, power lines, um, uh, maybe even some small tree limbs, things like that. so in addition to the blowing, we also have that uh, with the heavier snow. Um, so combine those two, even if uh, the winds don't get up to that thirty-five mile an hour or greater, uh, still going to be some issues.
0: Mm. Uh, let's talk about uh, how this storm materialized, and mm-hmm. this is kind of unusual in that uh, uh, when this storm was off the coast, well, not the storm itself, but uh, the factors that went into it, right. because a couple of things had to combine. But uh, when it was off the it was off the coast of Alaska earlier in the week, and uh, it was tracked all the way from the Pacific. Ocean off the coast of Alaska all the way across the country what are some of the factors that went into this well
2: that's a very good point um, we uh, needed some several several factors to go along with that first we needed that uh, main impetus for a storm system which was that energy out near Alaska like you mentioned um, we also have to have a way to get cold air in place so we want to have that uh, to be able to be there we want to get the energy and then we also want moisture uh, and that was um, really to get all three of those Um, into the path they are is pretty rare. Um, And one good thing is, you know, when we're out three to five days like that, um, we're really reliant on computer models. They look at the physics of the atmosphere, which are very straightforward. Um, We're not going to see those change. Um, It's just a matter of how we can sample that data can we get good information into these computer models. When we have a storm out off of the uh, Pacific coast, we're really looking at more uh, physics of interpolation to get us a rough idea as a good starting point, but that can change. Once that storm then moves on shore, let's say over the Pacific Northwest, we're able to uh, sample that information, sample the winds, sample the temperatures aloft, and really start to be able to plug that into our computer models and then hopefully get a better uh resolution on what's going to happen. And we did see that happen with this storm. If you look at a five day trend for this storm, while the particulars on where the edge of the storm may be or where the exact heaviest snow would be did um correlate throughout the the week, it was pretty much in general agreement it was going to be somewhere in the mid-Atlantic to southern Pennsylvania, and then we refined that as we got a little bit closer and got a little bit of data. So um, uh, I think this is a good indication of the the computer models and the technology that we've had over the past even 10 years uh, helping us make a forecast like this for a
0: big storm. We've heard much over the last uh, few weeks and months about El Nino. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've actually heard uh, people talking about uh, how this is one of the strongest, if not the strongest, El Nino uh, that we've ever seen. Has El Nino had an impact on this storm?
2: Uh it- to the extent that it uh, may have helped supply some of the moisture. Uh, When we get a big storm like this, we kind of tap into two things, like I mentioned. We had the three things with the energy, the cold air, and the moisture. Um, But what we want to do is try to get that Um, what we call a northern stream energy or that uh, polar energy mix up with something from the southern stream which would be more of like from the tropics so we get the heavy moisture coming from the south combining with the cold air and the the wind flow from the northern side and when we get those two to combine we can get a pretty large storm so with the El Nino providing a lot more moisture over the southern United States it was very easy to tap into that with this storm as it moved over Texas uh, a few days ago tapped into that southern stream of moisture, which uh, uh, is more prevalent this time of year because of El Nino, and then carried that north into the cold air. So, yes, it was uh, somewhat of a factor.
0: I've also heard people talking about it being a nor'easter. Is it a nor'easter?
2: Um, well, with this one, uh, the the storm itself, the the center of the storm is going to make it to Cape Hatteras, and a typical nor'easter would hug the coast move up off the new jersey shore maybe out towards cape cod and then up into uh... atlantic canada that would be kind of your classic definition of a nor'easter this storm itself is going to run more west to east so as it makes its way uh, off the north carolina coast instead of making that northeast, true northeast uh, direction up towards Cape Cod, it's going to head pretty quickly out to sea. So um, uh, in that regard, not so much a nor'easter like you'd expect. We don't expect like the huge snow totals for Boston, uh, the main coast, or inland New England uh, with this storm as we would in a typical nor'easter.
0: Do we know, Aaron, where this one will rank? I mean, I heard NPR report this morning that as far as Washington, D.C. goes, mm-hmm. that this may be a top top 10 storm of all time. Uh, Do we think that there's a possibility for the south-central Pennsylvania region, for Pennsylvania, that uh, it could uh, rank that high?
2: It could be. Um, Right now, our snow totals for, let's say, Adams County, southern York, uh, southern Lancaster uh, put us in the the 20-inch range. Uh, maybe low 20s, um, and if you remember back to February of 2010, we had back-to-back storms uh, over South Central Pennsylvania, and pretty much affected a similar area uh, to this, where they I think they occurred on the 6th of February and then the 10th, so just a few days apart. Um, I know Southern Adams County at that point had around 52 inches of snow combined for two storms, uh, about 20, it was about 25 on each storm, so while we're going to get close to that it'll it still remains to be seen if we'll be able to to top that uh storm there and that would be more for like Adams County southern york seems to be where uh the heaviest snow totals would be for south central pennsylvania tailing off just slightly um, as we move over towards Philadelphia and uh, southern Lancaster County. However, when we're talking more than 18 inches of snow, whether it's 18 or 24, uh, the impacts are going to be very similar. Wow. And then we're just talking about the record books after that.
0: I, I remember those 2010 storms well because at the exact same time that we are speaking, I was sitting in this room doing the same uh-huh. thing. <laughs> <Yes>. But <laughs> So one final question. Uh, we don't have anything in, in the forecast for a few days from now. Uh, another storm do we like that uh, 2010 scenario
2: um right now no it looks like um initial indications are we may see a, 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 like an alberta clipper system come across the great lakes um but uh nothing nothing in store like 2010 just yet that we see
0: aaron tybersky is a meteorologist with the national weather service and state college you know you're going to be busy aaron thank you yep. very much for joining us
2: Okay, thank you for having me.
0: You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR news and all things regional. If you plan on being outside this weekend, you'll be dealing with snow, wind, and cold. How do you stay warm and safe? We're joined by Gina McDonald, the senior life coach with Capital Blue Cross. And I want to mention that, uh, f- full disclosure, that Capital Blue Cross is one of the financial supporters of uh, Smart Talk. What is it that most people don't know about being outside in the cold, being outside when it's snowing, being outside when the wind is blowing?
3: That's a great thing to start off with Scott and the first thing that comes into my mind is if there is any amount of sun, even if it's just very heavy cloud coverage, but you want to be very protective with that sunscreen. Sometimes people think sunscreen is about the summer, it's about the spring when the sun's shining strong. But remember snow with that really white color. It's extremely reflective and you really want to protect that exposed skin. So make sure that you get that sunscreen on at least SPF 30 or higher, at least 20 minutes before you exit that front door.
0: Now, is that just with the sun? You mentioned some cloud cover, but does there have to be some amount of
3: light? No, I, it's really amazing, guys, that with the clouds, the sun is so strong anymore, it's gonna, those rays are going to come through there anyway. So that's why even when it's a cloudy day, you know, I think people might make a joke, you know, we're talking about sunscreen, but also think sunglasses, protect those eyes. You know, even when it's cloudy and you might see somebody with sunglasses, you're thinking, oh, who's that rock star? But no, they're actually very smart and protecting their eyes from those UV rays that could be breaking through that cloud coverage.
0: So would someone can actually get sunburn from the from the sun? <laughs>
3: I don't know if we want to take it that far. But when we think about sun, but just remember, every time we expose ourselves to the sun, we're causing some type of cell damage. And now, I am not a skin professional, but just these are things that sometimes people think the obvious, like sunny, sunscreen, cloudy, oh, who cares? But that's why we just want to make sure that we're being protective of that.
0: Okay. Uh, What about the wind? I mean, we often hear about uh, people saying, well, I got wind burned, and it almost feels like sunburn in the summertime. Time.
3: Mm-hmm. and that's where when we get into these you know negative temperatures coming down, always think about that exposure of the skin. Remember, it is our largest organ we have going on our body, and to take care of it. but always remember if you can have some type of ear coverage, a hat, making sure that you got that scarf wrapped around and those sunglasses on to limit that exposure because anytime you're putting that skin out there, it's going to take the brunt of that force. And that's where you want to make sure that you're fully protected. So that whole dressing in layers when it gets into the wintertime is one of the most important things to do when you go outside. Because as you start moving and grooving, your body temperature is going to go up. And then that's when you can start removing things to satisfy your comfort level. But when we kind of start with ground zero and just one layer you have kind of nowhere to go. So always remember addressing those layers.
0: Well, let's talk about that a little bit more because Mm -hmm. that's something that we've heard more of in the last few years. And most people, when they think of it, they think about, okay, I'm wearing a coat, I'm wearing a sweatshirt, I'm wearing a shirt, I'm wearing an undershirt. There there are my four layers there. But that may be layers, but that's not exactly what you're talking about, is it?
3: Well, kind of. um, But here where we go is think of that base layer. And that's where those nice synthetic sweat wicking type of clothing material to form that base. Because that's where your initial body temperature, when it starts rising, it's going to start that cooling process, which is known as sweat. And then if it's just laying on the skin, it's giving it that time to then just create more of a cold barrier instead of when you have that sweat wicking material, then you can kind of maintain a nice little constant temperature going forward. And then when you can feeling elevated, you're maybe doing some activity, your body temperature is going up, you can remove maybe that top layer, but you'll still be comfortable because you don't have that soaking wet feeling where you know cotton likes to really kind of hold on to that moisture.
0: Let's talk about visibility. Uh mm-hmm. w- with the wind there could be some drifting and we've heard that there could be uh, an inch up to 3 inches per hour at some times wow. on Saturday. Uh so visibility could be a real issue.
3: Absolutely. And that's why you want to be smart too. And you know, sometimes we think it's just common sense, but come on, this is like the first big snow of the year, so people are like, we're going to go outside and have some fun. But think of it, if it's low visibility, think of headgear. There was those nice headlamps that you can easily put on. Also, reflective gear. You know, just even getting some strips to put onto your clothing. You know, it... We have a very large hunting population here, so a lot of people are very familiar with that reflective gear. Use it wisely. Always think that if you are having problems seeing, then someone is having problems probably going to see you also. So make sure you are wise when going into the streets. That's another thing. Cars slowing down, you know, maybe swerving. You want to be very cautious of what you're doing outside to make sure that it's safe for just not you, but for everyone on the road, too.
0: Gina McDonald, you're a senior health coach with Capital Blue Cross, and a lot of times you're working with uh, your clients on uh, fitness. Mm -hmm. There are many, many people out there who this weekend will say, well, there's 18 inches of snow out there. It's 20 degrees. It's windy. It's windy there's nothing I can do to stay in shape. I'm going to have to abandon my walk or my run or what I do to stay in shape this weekend. And you write that that's not necessarily the case.
3: No. And what I always say, Scott, is have fun with the environment you're in. So if you are snowbound, you're not a type of person who likes the wind, the cold, the snow, then look around your house and get creative. I always say everyone has at least one piece of physical activity equipment in their house, unless maybe if you live in a ranch it's called stairs use those stairs to your best benefit you know I'm the same way. I love my TV shows. I binge watch. But does that mean I stay stagnant? No. Take these opportunities for commercial breaks or in between different shows to get up and move, whether it's squats, set goals, be like, wow, how many squats can I do during this whole segment? Or if it's stairs, how many flights of stairs can I do in between these commercial breaks? But make it a game. Have fun with it. That's where I think we've lost sometimes about fitness is the fun that could be actually had. What
0: about food? We've heard so much about the the milk and eggs and uh, and the bread this week, but there's a tendency when you're stuck in the house that uh, you eat more than what you normally do.
3: Well, here's my first key for you, Scott, is to actually get dressed. Put on fitted clothes. That is my biggest thing I tell people, even for weekends, when people are trying to stay consistent with their food intake and their physical activity. Too many times I hear people say, man, I love yoga pants. I don't do yoga, but I have nine pairs. (laughs) Hey, let's make sure that we have our nice fitted clothes on. We follow our food routine. We put some mindfulness towards it. That it's not about so much of laying around with a bag of chips. It's about thinking, hey, Let's enjoy what's going on today, whether it's the environment, it's the people you're with. Sometimes we lose sight, whether it's a winter storm or the holidays, on exactly what is going on. It's not so much about food. It could be about the people.
0: You know, something else that uh, you have to think about with physical activity in a storm like this is shoveling snow, the things that you have to do to, uh, you know, the the sidewalks, the driveway, that kind of thing. And very often there are people, whether they're injured or they just got a sore back or sore knees, I have to say that I often look at uh, shoveling snow as exercise, and I hope that's a good way to, to view it
3: you you're absolutely correct and these people need to be very cautious especially with our senior population you know sometimes we just want to get it done so we go and put the good force behind it but it could be too much exertion at one time and when i said that word mindfulness that's what i want you to bring to that shoveling too not so much as digging that shovel in and tossing that snow think about the muscles you're using I always say it's got my husband, he cuts wood. And I say, you take that navel and picture it pulling into your backbone because you do not want that core to become released. That's going to be your stabilization zone. So that's where we want to make sure we have our tight abdominal area and use those knees. But always think about what muscles am I using? Don't go in it haphazardly. Take breaks and also hydration. Again, people think it's cold weather. I'm not sweating to what you can really think you are. And they let that water go to the wayside, and hydration starts to kick in also. Well, Dehydration starts to kick in. Yeah.
0: Well, taking breaks, I would imagine, would be a big thing because many people go with the attitude of, I, I just want to get this done. Absolutely. It's, it's going to take me an hour or so, but let's get it done.
3: Yes. And that's where make sure, feel listen to your body Your body gives you sometimes the best cues ever on when to back off, whether it's shoveling or physical activity. But it's about taking the time to be aware and listen and say, you know what, this is going to be here. I can come back, take a 10-minute break, you know, get that water, and maybe get some warmth and then go right back into it if you feel up to it. And always think, too, can I ask for assistance? You know, let's be neighborly. Let's help each other out in this situation.
0: Gina McDonald is a senior health coach with Capital Blue Cross. Uh, Gina, you've motivated me. I don't know about uh, <laughs> uh, our listeners out there. I'm sure you have. But uh,
3: awesome, Scott. We, let's
0: have a good time with it this weekend, if we can.
3: Absolutely. You take care, Scott. Thank you. Thank
0: you. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. One of the big questions this weekend is, will we be able to travel, at least drive where we want to go? Mike Kaiser is the District 8 Executive with the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation and Krista Newmaster is an Assistant Maintenance Manager for Dauphin County with PennDOT. Thank both of you for being with us
4: today. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank Krista, you. Chris,
0: can I move that your microphone a little closer to you? I don't want to make it sound like you're out working on the roads and you're yelling <laughs> in there. <laughs> we did say boots on the ground, but not e- exactly right now. I want to thank you for taking the time out because I assume that right now is a very, very busy time mike what's going on right now uh, on the roads across the area
4: well let me let me just talk even a little bit broader than that uh you know we any major storm that we have uh yesterday we have what we refer to as a winter webex where all the districts across the state call in talk about our resources uh you know if there's any issues there and some key partners are involved with that as well you know psp uh pennsylvania turnpike state Mm -hmm. police uh you know pima uh, again just a a discussion on how we're going to manage the storm of course this event's uh you know anticipated to be a, a pretty significant winter storm here it's one of our first storms of the year in terms of uh plowing snow so you know when you look at it you know the governor got out yesterday made an announcement uh you know one of the messages i wanted to make sure we got across today is uh again it's 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 going to be a friday night into saturday so we're we're hoping Uh, folks can uh, you know stay at home uh, limit the travel as much as they can Uh, but it's it's going to be a you know we talked earlier all hands on deck Uh, you know we expect the snow to arrive sometime around six seven o'clock this evening and uh, we will clearly be in our trucks uh, out in every county uh, probably all day uh, sunday through sunday and, and and likely into monday as well so it's, it's going to be a significant storm for us is
0: weekend is that more ideal or is that better than uh during the week i mean looking at the amount of traffic on the road it would just make common sense that it makes sense that exactly it would be
4: uh, absolutely if you're an operator uh you know ideally there's no one else out there and you can do your job so yes that's going to be an advantage uh we have uh m- are more difficult storms to manage are those that arrive at rush hour Uh, You know, even an inch or two of snow at rush hour in the morning or in the p.m. can really cause a lot of headaches because you just have so much traffic out there, including our operators and the plow trucks.
0: We've already gotten an email here from Paul in Shippensburg. It's a good question. You mentioned uh, Governor Wolf, and uh, he declared an emergency yesterday. He wanted to know what rules are there regarding being on the road during a snow state of emergency. Our workplace has suggested we should make every effort to show up, but we also don't want to endanger ourselves or others. Are there any laws that workers may be breaking by trying to get to work? I don't know if you can answer the part about laws, but... Well, Generally, when the governor right. declares a state of emergency, how are roads affected by
4: that? Well, uh, you know, to, to me, the concept of a state of emergency is, again, uh, with this kind of storm coming in, it gives PennDOT the ability and our other agencies uh, the ability to reach out and get some additional help. So we do a lot of things with rental equipment and things like that. but. Uh, you know, if you get into a situation with a storm of this size, you want to be able to make a phone call. You don't want to put, you know, things out in bids or call three people and say, hey, you know, who's who's going to? So the emergency de- declaration helps us for those things. Uh, again, we understand there's there's going to be some people that have to work. Um as the as the storm rolls in, there may be more specifics put out there, and and maybe I'll jump to uh, uh, another part of the, the vehicle population out there. Trucks, for example, you'll often hear we're going to start putting tr- truck restrictions on our our interstates. Now that's more enforceable law. Uh, you know, if you're an empty trailer, uh, we don't, we don't need you out on the highway. Uh, again, I know that's difficult if you're, uh, you know, if you're trying to carry goods across the state or, you know, throughout the country. So uh, other than that, it gets back to common sense. There were some things on the news last night, you know, clear your, clear your vehicle off, make sure you can see out your windows, uh, you know, uh, those are the kind of things that there's there's some enforcement there and, and some fines that can be levied if, if a driver's not paying attention to those things.
0: But at this point, generally, there's no law about being on the road.
4: No, unless, it, again, there would be some additional announcements. Okay. Now, we could get to that point.
0: Right, right. I remember, was the storm of 96 where Governor Ridge... Declared, you know, that was twenty years ago. When right, you're right. a young guy, I don't know if right. you're around. You may still have been in diapers then. Mike, but, <laughs>
4: no, uh, not quite,
0: pen dot diapers. I don't oh, know. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> anyway, uh, in '96, I remember uh, Governor Ridge restricting tra- uh, right, travel right. on the roads and right. only emergency or essentials exactly. could be out on the exactly. roads. And exactly. that's not the case well, now. I don't,
4: I don't think we reached that point yet.
0: Okay. Uh, Krista, boots on the ground. You are assistant maintenance manager in Dauphin County, but this holds true for probably all the counties in our listening area, uh, but especially where the the heaviest snow is forecast uh, in the south-central region along the Maryland border uh, up to Harrisburg north of York and Lancaster and all that. Um, But Boots on the ground, what have you been doing? Mike talked about getting together with the other executives, making plans. But boots on the ground, what actually has been happening on the roads?
5: Um, As far as the roads go, what we have done is we're doing some anti-icing ahead of the storm, which allows time so that the snow does not start sticking right away when it starts to fall. We're actually continuing to do that right now. Um, More of our activity is actually ensuring that all of our trucks are up and running and everything um, safety wise is Ready and that our plows are ready to go and that we're not going to have any issues so that once this hits We'll be able to get our guys out there right away and moving forward getting the snow cleaned off the roads
0: now How do you decide? where to put more? manpower Uh, I mean, as we've heard with this forecast that, as I mentioned, along the Maryland border, southern parts of the the counties in our listening area may get higher snow totals. How do you decide where to put more plows, uh, more equipment, more men?
5: Right now, we um, always have a plan in place as how many, as to how many trucks that we have at individual stock p- piles. What we'll do as the storm progresses, if we see lighter amounts in different areas and we're having more problems in our southeast part of the county, we'll start moving resources at that point in time. It's based on the storm not necessarily now we already have a plan in place we have to adjust according to the storm
4: mm-hmm. yeah uh, but, but go ahead and just Mike. jump in there we we actually have some uh uh equipment that would be a little bit more unique to a storm of this size uh, blowers for example um uh, uh graders we have some v plows we've already have them in place you know kind of in the areas where we expect to see the higher snow events so that that that's you know when you get to this kind of storm there's those additional things that happen behind the scenes that that were just you know be better prepared come Saturday morning and the Saturday afternoon that we have this equipment where it needs to be.
0: I'm curious about that uh, V plows, and I can picture it, you right, know, the, the right. snow plow that kind of points to the front in the shape right. of a V. Right, uh, But blowers and all that, those are reserved for heavier type snows? Yes,
4: yes. Why? Yeah, you know Well, again, again it's uh, you're, you're going to see a situation where, uh, you know, we didn't really talk about it yet, but we have a uh, uh, forecast of uh, – you know 20 inches uh somewhere in that neighborhood and you know across the the bottom four counties in our in our district and more importantly uh, our biggest concern would be the wind uh so you're you're going to have uh those kind of conditions where you 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 can plow the roadway uh you can remove the snow uh it's going to continue to snow one to two inches an hour by the way at the the height of the storm and then you have this wind uh that's kind of come in behind it so uh, you know, it, it, that's why I said we're going to be out there Monday morning. There, there's no doubt that we'll still be in a in a cleanup mode. The V plows are, are uh, again, a little bit more unique if we have a rural roadway that uh, has a high embankment, kind of helps push the snow off the roadway a little bit better. But you're really kind of limiting yourself to one lane at a time when you're in a V plow. You know, our, our plows on the standard plows that we use, you know, allow you to throw snow in one direction. The V plow, of course, fl- throws it in both. So, Again, just a tool that for this kind of storm, that's 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 what we're going to need to do, likely.
0: One of the things I want to talk about uh, while you're on is some of the changes that have been made. There's been a lot over the last 20 years. Something you just mentioned, and you were talking about the forecast. Right. 20 years ago, I understand that uh, you, PennDOT, relied on local forecast, and that's not the case today.
4: No, no. Uh, again, uh, you know, technology does a lot of wonderful things for all of us uh i'm sure meteorologists would be the first to line up to say yes so uh we do have a lot of uh sophisticated forecasts uh we we get updates uh you know we we had the webex as i mentioned yesterday we got a few updates over this evening first thing i did when i got up this morning i looked at it to see if you know a shift of the storm here you know by 50 miles or so makes a big difference um uh, it doesn't look like it changed much. In fact, uh, it looks like uh, we were thinking yesterday the upper end of Dolphin County, Perry County, maybe four inches or so. Uh, come in this morning, and now that's more in the six to twelve inch band. So again, that constant update uh, is is beneficial for us. Uh, you know, we we mentioned before about moving equipment around. So uh, yeah, that that is a big change uh, from 20 years ago.
0: Kristen, this is something I said earlier, and I want to uh, I, I make sure that uh, we know of some changes that have occurred uh, on PennDOT and, uh, you know, in maintenance. Uh, obviously, you're a woman. I said earlier about manpower. Uh, was, yeah, you're not a guy with a high-pitched voice or anything. Uh, 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 manpower. Are there women? Who are, are, are working, will be working this weekend as well? I mean, on the cruise? Yes.
5: Good. There are, yes. We
0: okay, do. well, again, I wanted to make sure I was accurate and in, in the 21st century, but.
5: Yeah, I, you are. Yeah,
0: well, well, good. <laughs> uh, so, how much uh, t- sleep will you get this weekend?
5: Um, probably not very much. Um, we actually do take shifts and we try to do a 12 hour, hour on and a 12 hour off, but. It's just a concern and wanting to make sure that our employees are, you know, everything's safe and they're doing what needs to be done. So I'm sure, even though I have 12 hours off, I'm still going to be working. I'm going to be on my phone or, so yeah, uh, yeah. very little.
4: Yeah. The other concern <laughs> is, is again, you 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 know, you have to manage this. You you want to try to get a little bit of rest, but you got to realize uh, some of us have a 2040. 50-minute commute so right. if you leave uh and storm is very bad it's going to be difficult to get back so uh you know we got to kind of weigh that factor in there as well
0: yeah i would think all right so let's talk about some of the things that have changed in the last 20 years mike uh the weather forecasting part of it right what about some of the materials some of the equipment
4: well, well the equipment, you know, we we have the uh I'd say the best trucks available today uh to do the job. Uh we have equipment on the truck that uh you know monitors the amount of material that we're putting down. Uh a little bit more sophisticated there. We we go to an auger uh a type of a process uh you know the unit on the back of the truck uh you know is, is is fairly expensive, but it does help us in terms of uh being consistent in in how we apply our materials. Um Again, they're bigger, a little bit more powerful, um, and uh, you know help us help us do the job better than than a vehicle you know twenty twenty five years ago. Now, as Krista mentioned, uh, you know you got to maintain these vehicles too. So again, uh, I think we did touch on that the last couple of days. You're making sure we have 310 trucks here just in District Eight. Uh, we bring in about another 37 plus rentals from contractors. So uh you know that that truck is uh you know can can do its job but it has to be ready to do its job it's got to be fueled up it's got to be uh, ready to go um you know if there's anything that needs worked on ahead of time that's that's what you do now tomorrow is going to be too late
0: crystal you mentioned that uh you're treating the roads right now and have been for the last uh, day or so treating them with what
5: it is salt brine that we're using it's a mixture of a um a um finer type of sand or salt instead of um, rock salt and we have a machine that makes it and um, it's sprayed out with a tanker that has spray bars on it.
0: I had, uh, I mentioned to one of my co-workers here that we were doing this show today and he uh, he told me to ask what is it that's leaving the white uh material on the side of the cars now he said i don't remember that in the old days what is
5: that that is the salt brine that we are using
0: okay yeah. all right so uh is that hazardous to cars is that something that uh you should wash your car right away
4: i i, I don't you know again over the long term i don't i don't think it's a, a large of an issue uh uh but Obviously, uh, I know a lot of folks, uh, after every storm, they try to get out there and wash their car off. I, I, it's it's a good thing.
5: Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah.
4: You know, if you skip one or two uh, cycles, uh, uh, you, know, you know, most of the cars today uh, have a lot less uh, uh, steel on it than they used to, yeah. so it's, it's certainly not going to cause you any body problems.
0: Well, this is the first snow of the year, and it's unusual that the fir- first snow of the year is a big one like this. Right. Mike, you mentioned earlier about the uh, materials on hand. That should not be an issue no, this time. I mean, we have no. more than enough right
4: yeah we 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 uh we have almost a, a full stockpile at every location you know we we've been uh, fortunate so far this year that in this section of Pennsylvania we haven't had much snow a few events uh, you know some clippers come through but uh, materials absolutely is is not a concern
0: mm-hmm. um that's good, money-wise, too. I mean, because that's something you always have to think about: is what's what this is costing. It's like a winter, like last winter, right, and actually the right. winter before. It cost us a lot of money.
4: Yeah, the only thing I'll say to that is, uh, unfortunately, when you had two severe winters in a row, not just in Pennsylvania but up and down the East Coast, uh, the material, uh, salt material that we purchased to fill up for this year, we paid a lot more than we have been paying the last couple oh, of years. Really? So, uh, you know, I, I'd uh, hold off on the on the savings kind of conversation uh, if it continues. Uh, you know the way it has this year. You know there'll likely be some, but you know keep in mind we kind of fell in a hole just to buy the salt to get ready again for this year. We're we're up to uh, in some places we pay eighty five dollars a ton for a, for a ton of salt. Uh, I'd say average in District Eight it's probably somewhere around eighty bucks between seventy five and eighty dollars a ton.
0: What was it other years?
4: Uh, it it was about a twenty percent increase. I can remember just a few years ago we were in the sixties. Uh, it's supply and demand. That's know, how it works. I know. You know if you, I know. They, got... it's,
0: there's an economy lesson here somewhere. right? Well, I, I won't even ask you about what was covered under the state budget that we don't have. So I won't <laughs> even. Won't even go there. Uh, something else that is new this year is people are able to track. Are able to track where the plows are. Right. Not right, every one of them, right, but right. a lot of them.
4: Yeah. Again, I'll 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 start off. You know, it's just one of those tools out there that uh, uh, helps the public understand. Uh, first of all, what what our job is, and and uh, you know the the thing that we try to get across, the, you know, every time we talk about this is, yeah, I mentioned it. We have 310 trucks, another 37 plus rentals, but we have over 5,000 miles just in District Eight. So, the average uh, route for an operator can be 30 some miles. Uh, if it snows one or two inches an hour, it's going to take that individual two two and a half. Uh, three hours, and again, the more intense the storm is, if we have issues with whiteout conditions and visibility, our operator has to slow down as well. So, you you know, the the 511 and, and the AVL and the new technology it's just five one one. Talk about well, five one one PA is is uh, you know does a lot of things. That's uh, a website. It's a website. Uh, gives you things on anything from construction jobs to closures, but also importantly for this time of year, winter conditions and, and things of that nature. And uh, to to track the trucks, you can actually get on five one one now. It's an update we did about a month ago. Uh, you pull 511 PA up on your screen, and you'll see a little uh, tag there. You can hit uh, trucks, and if the truck's uh, running, uh, you're you're gonna see uh, that truck where it's at, and also where it's been the last two hours. Uh, so again, it's just one one more tool for us to help help manage these storms, and also at the same time educate the public. You know, we get a lot of calls. Hey, I haven't seen the plow truck in two hours. Well, if you stand at the same spot a couple more minutes, likely you're going to yeah. change your story on that. <laughs>
0: we only have about 30 seconds left. Uh, Mike, best advice for motorists this weekend?
4: Well, if you can, again, please please stay home. Uh, you know, if that's an option. Uh, we've had two nice days leading up to it. Uh, again, we talk about the forecast. You know, you can turn on the weather channel last sunday and they were they were talking about the storm coming in so use the rest of the day to get ready if you can avoid being off the roadways tomorrow that's that's the uh the best help that you can give us and if you have to be out there you want to be careful and and maybe you could talk about distance behind yeah absolutely. about 10 seconds or so
5: okay yeah absolutely the main thing is just make sure you keep plenty of distance between you and plow trucks and any other vehicle around you visibility is going to be very low so that's really important
0: uh, Kristen Newmaster Assistant man- Maintenance Manager for Dauphin County. Mike Kaiser is the District 8 Executive with the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation. Thank both of you for being with us, and good luck this weekend. All right. Thanks Thank for you. having us.